Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Enjoy a tall, cool dude. I grew up like most kids, worried I couldn't bench two plates, that I wouldn't fit in, that I wouldn't find love. Then I discovered partying, and suddenly all those worries went to the wayside. I didn't need love. I had keg stands. I discovered I was great at raging, and it revealed wonderful things about myself. I could relate to bros, regardless of what kind of bro they were. I could be at a party and moon people, and everyone would laugh, you know, be witty. Or, I could play beer pong and compete with real integrity. In short, I fulfilled my potential. The Nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. Draft's over. All right. We got a team. The Bills are pretty much set. Free agency done with. Draft done with. The Buffalo Bills roster pretty much as is. I think is going to be what it is heading into next season. It's the Nightcap. Joe DiBiase here on WGR for the next two hours. I'm going to recap the draft with you. Uh, I got a grade in mind already for them. And... I think I've got a little bit of a different expectation for them this season now that the draft is over and done with. I wouldn't say it's too, too different than where I was at before because um, this is, you know, this is the season. Post-draft week really is in every city in the NFL, except maybe Giants fans right now, is talking yourself into how good the guy you just picked is and how much he's going to help you, how much better you're going to be for it. Like, every team in the league got better on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And here's no different. It's no different here. Um, That doesn't mean you can't be optimistic. That doesn't mean there's not reason to be optimistic. But it's also, you know, hit the brakes a little. Let's be cautious. I don't think the Bills just turned into an 11-12 win team over the weekend. Um, I like their draft. I don't necessarily love it. But I don't really know if there was an opportunity uh, for me to love it. 8030550 is the phone number if you got if you want to jump in on this. Uh, you can also hit me up on Twitter at SneakyJoeWGR or on the text line 55550. Be monitoring that throughout the night. We don't have any playoffs going on right now. Um, usually we keep you updated as quick as possible on this show when there's stuff happening in the playoffs. Uh, NHL playoffs, only one game tonight. Blues and Stars at 8. And then NBA playoffs, a couple of games. But the first one doesn't start till 8 o'clock as well. So I'm giving them a B+. And like I said, I don't really think there was an opportunity for the Bills to go out and get an A-plus draft in my mind because I think the one thing this team really needed was to not only flip their offense from one of the worst we've seen in half a season ever and finishing the year as the 30th ranked offense in the league, I don't really know if there was an opportunity for them to go from that to unstoppable. That takes years, and that takes the right kind of philosophy, the right kind of thinking, and really good drafting to get to that point, to become an unstoppable offense. And to me, I really wanted a stud offensive player in the top 10. I really wanted that guy somewhere. And I don't really think that guy existed for the Bills. 
There was no wide receiver worth that pick. They already have a quarterback. No running back worth it. Generally, running backs aren't worth that pick anyway, and there was no Saquon Barkley this season. There was a tight end probably worth it, but he went one pick ahead of you to the Lions, and I hate the idea of trading up. Trading up for Hawkinson, a tight end. Like I liked him. I was the He was the guy I wanted the Bills to get with the ninth pick, but they didn't even get that chance, and it's not worth trading up for it. So I think they did the best they could at nine. Oliver is probably a great player. Maybe all pro level. But at the end of the day, it's a defensive tackle. And look around the league. I mean, Aaron Donald's the best defensive tackle I think we've seen in years. And the Rams didn't get good until their offense became unstoppable. Then they had Aaron Donald. And they were a 7-9 football team year after year under Jeff Fisher. So, to me, the Bills did a pretty good job on day two addressing some of the positions that needed to be addressed. Um, Tight end in particular. I think they needed another body there. And they got a guy with some high potential in Dawson Knox. At least it reads like he has some high potential. He didn't do much in college, so he's. you'd hope he's going to be a better pro than that. Zero touchdowns at Ole Miss. It's a, little, uh, it's a little worrisome. And the running back, I did a lot of film work on him. I don't really do film work on almost any players, but I do on receivers and running backs once in a while. Um, those are the two positions that I liked. Always gravitated to growing up and played. And I watched a lot of film on Devin Singletary over the weekend. I like him. I don't think he has superstar potential, but he reminds me a lot of Devontae Freeman. And if you watch any of the Falcons, like he's not a home run hitter, but he's a really good starting running back in the league, and he kind of reminds me of him. So you'd hope that happens. But really, even just the fact they picked a young running back, if you've listened to me at all, and I know a lot of you have over the last year, you've heard me yelling at the Bills, wanting them to draft, to kind of not start over at running back, but really start to make your way towards the next chapter of that position. Because they've done it everywhere else. They've done it at quarterback. They went from Tyrod to Allen. They've done it at wide receiver. They went from Benjamin and Holmes and all those guys to Robert Foster and John Brown and Cole Beasley. They did it on the defense. They went from Marcel Darius and it was Kyle Williams in the middle, and now it's Ed Oliver and Starla Tule and Harrison Phillips and Jordan Phillips. The secondary. I mean, that was the first thing they rebuilt. McDermott was a safety, uh, you know, when he played, and I think you could tell because that was the first thing the Bills did. They went out, they signed Micah Hyde, Jordan Poyer, they drafted Trey White. Like, they worked on the secondary right away. They basically turned the page at each position from the previous coaching staff and also have done it in a way looking towards the future they had not done that at running back yet now to be fair the way running back is in the league you're able to find guys anywhere and it seems that that's not one of the positions you want to address right away anyway so I guess in a way like I'm kind of it's it's I'm thinking optimistically about them today because, you know, maybe they did recognize that, hey, we can get to running back last. We've got McCoy here. We'll do that last. We can get by. And last year they didn't really get by, but they went out and they drafted Singletary. I like the pick. I don't love the pick, but I like it. I just like that they did that. Get the young running back in here. And I still think one of those veterans is going. It doesn't make any sense to have three guys dressing on your on your opening day roster that don't play special teams because you're going to dress a fourth running back. You could. 
But is Singletary just going to be some special teams guy? I don't think he is if you're drafting him with an early third-round pick. I think you have plans for him. And running back more so than any position is the position where you draft a guy in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, and they're more likely to contribute to you in year one than any other position. Because a lot of times those guys get opportunities to play. And I'd like to see the Bills make room for Singletary to get an opportunity to play. Other other rookies are going to. Knox will get a chance at tight end. Oliver's going to start at defensive tackle. Cody Ford is going to start. Whether that is a tackle or a guard, I don't think we know yet, but he's going to start. Are they going to make way for the kid at running back to start? Because that's what I'd like to see them do, and for that to happen, someone's got to go. And are you going to cut Gore? Are you going to cut Yeldon? You did just sign them. They could very easily. They're not getting paid much, if anything. And, you know, they're veterans. You can you can move on. McCoy is going to be interesting this offseason. Can they get anything for him? Because he's the only guy right now of those veterans that maybe could have some sort of trade value. I think you do a great job to get a fifth-round pick out of him at this point. Just honestly, in particular, or just specifically, there's not a lot of teams out there that need a running back. Those teams have addressed that. The one team that's still sticking out to me that I'm very surprised didn't go out and invest in a running back on draft day was the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're still sitting there with Peyton Barber and Ronald Jones. They must believe in Ronald Jones to some extent because they didn't do it. They didn't draft a guy. But Peyton Barber is just a guy. Ronald Jones had about as bad a rookie season as you can have as a running back in the league. So I wonder if you can fit LaShawn McCoy in there in a deal. Otherwise, I don't know of too many teams that I can think off the top of my head that are would still be looking for a guy like that. This year, I think I'd really have to expect... I think we have to expect the Bills' offense to be improved, for sure. But how good is it going to be? It's not going to be an elite offense. They don't have the, the talent at receiver. They don't have it at running back. Their offensive line is improved, but long way to go from that being one of the best in the league. And Allen is unproven. you got a lot of unproven all over your offense. I'd expect them to be average to good in a, in a best-case scenario. And I think average is... Almost hopeful. Good, good is hopeful. Average, I think you could expect from what they've done. But they could be terrible. Because that's 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 on Allen. His ceiling to floor is still, I feel like, a pretty big gap. Now they could also be amazing on offense. That's also Allen. That's his ceiling. So this isn't saying much, but it's going to ride on him this year. But now he actually has the tools to, to, to work with. No more excuses. No more having to run for your life every other down because your offensive line can't block a guy. And Seke and Ford and Dawkins still here and Morse. Like the O-line, to me, should be the most improved position group on the offense along with wide receiver. But you don't have the stud receiver yet. You don't have it. Like, that's the one thing I think they still got to do. They didn't have that opportunity to do that this offseason. They tried to do it, actually. They tried to get Antonio Brown. So I think that has got to be a signal that Brandon Brandon Bean's master plan, what's he missing still? He's got the quarterback. He's rebuilt the offensive line. He's got one running back now I think he can go forward with, or he'd hope he can with. He's made moves at tight end. He rebuilt that position. He rebuilt 
most of the defense. What is missing? The number one wide receiver and the elite pass rusher. Like, those are the last two pieces of the puzzle if the rest works out. Now, he's put these other pieces into this puzzle that we still need to find out about if they fit or not. But what are the two things we know are still missing? Elite pass rusher, number one wide receiver. And of those two, when I'm looking at it, at least wide receiver, I would think there's some potential of that happening, whether you get a number one receiver because of Robert Foster's presence on the team. Um, He is still, I think, a guy that you could think has the athletic ability and the potential where he could become a number one wide receiver. It's not likely and by any means, I think. I think he's going to be good, but how likely is it that he is like a top 10 receiver in football? Very slim. Slim to none. But to me, there's at least a sliver of hope there. So I don't want to completely rule out that he won't become that, but you still need to find that number one guy, assuming he doesn't end up reaching that. Elite pass rusher, you know you don't have that. You don't. We know what Jerry Hughes is. Jerry Hughes is very good. Very good. But he's not a top 10 pass rusher in football. We know what Shaq Lawson is at this point. He's a very good run defender that has a lot of trouble getting to the passer as an edge rusher. And Trent Murphy, you know what? He's been in the league long enough. I don't think a lot of Bills fans have seen him enough, but looking back at his days in Washington, he had one good year as a pass rusher. I think he like Lawson, he's kind of like he's good in in run defense, but I think I'm left wanting when it's third and long and I'm trying to rush four and get to the passer. Seems like Jerry Hughes was the only guy getting close even when those guys were healthy, Murphy and Lawson. So I think they still need that elite pass rusher, and I don't see anyone on the team right now that even possesses the sliver of hope that Foster has for the number one receiver. There's no guy on the Bills roster right now that I think can become that. Um, Jadavion Clowney is still out there. I guess we could talk about that. That seems like kind of a pipe dream, but Antonio Brown at one point seems like a pipe dream, and that almost happened. Me and Brian Cozio sat in this room for an hour, and did a show on the Bills adding Antonio Brown because it looked like it was happening. So maybe they would make a play for Clowney, but, I mean, if you're not getting that guy right now, and I'd have to think that that's not going to happen, then they're going to go into this season without that. And that's fine. I had them as a 7-8 win team. I would have predicted them for 7.5 wins, if you can give me half wins coming into the draft. And now what they've done, because I like that they've really addressed offense on day two, and now like there's some bodies there that can be hopeful about. And Ed Oliver, by most accounts, being like a top five prospect, they got it nine. I think I'd up it to eight and a half. The win total. If I were an odds maker, I wouldn't set it at that, because you would get tons of under bets. But I'm, I'm, I'm here to be hopeful today. And optimistic, even though every team around the league does that. Like, I'm here for that. B+. Plus. I like their draft, and this should be an 8 or 9 win team. Put some expectations on them. Like, it's time. But what are the expectations? They're not championship level. They're not division level. Playoffs. Make the playoffs. They can do it. They're going to be in a race. There are other teams that are just as deserving, if not more. But this team could make the playoffs, conceivably. And I don't think, I think they could be good enough where it's not because Andy Dalton's throwing a miracle pass from midfield in week 17 when you've already finished your season. 
Well, come on, we can all admit they got very lucky. They made the playoffs two years ago. They got blown out by good teams, and they got a miracle. This year, I think they have the capability of making it and making it comfortably. I wouldn't guess they do it at this point. I think I'd still probably predict them for eight wins. I think we did, me and Nate, uh, Nate Geary on Saturday, predicted their schedule, and I think I had them at eight wins, and I was very close to giving them a ninth. Um, and you can make it a nine, but I'm like it's it's a real couple bounces go your way, and I would not be surprised at all if this team is finding themselves in the playoffs. But they will not become championship level, division winner level. They won't take that next step from expectations being playoffs to something greater until this offense becomes unstoppable. Because you need that to happen. Unless your defense is historically good, you need that to happen. I mentioned it earlier. They drafted Ed Oliver. His comparison is Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald was the best defensive lineman in football for five years, and his team went nowhere until their offense got incredible with Sean McVay and Jared Goff and Robert Woods and everybody. So until that happens here, I'm not willing to say, hey, this team can compete for divisions. And I don't expect them to... I wasn't expecting them to be able to do that in one offseason here. Um, But, like, that's the next step. Keep your defense good, and then your next step is making that offense something greater than even average or good, which I think we're all hoping uh, happens this year. 803-0550 is the phone number to draft grade for the Bills. And if you want to talk specifically about the picks, we'll do that as well. I'll give them an, I'm giving them a B plus. Let's go to the phone lines. We got Nick in Buffalo. Nick, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, Joe, listen, I, I agree with everything you say. That's why I wait at night to call you and not <laughs> two birds, because you know more about football than those guys. I, listen, Allen has accuracy issues, right? Now, Bean and, and McBean and whatever said that they're trying to build a roster where we win constantly, not just one year, in the following years, and build it like a Pittsburgh model. They started the draft off great. The first couple of picks were great. Then they fell off the board with Singletary. I don't like that. I don't know what that was about. They could have took Hakeem Bailey... Hakeem Butler? Harmon, even if they didn't pan out this year, at least you got younger at the wide receiver position. You got bigger. Harmon's a great god. I don't know. have no clue why that kid lasted until the sixth or seventh round. Well, he he. There must have been a reason. I mean, there must have been a reason. And let me let me like to me, the only reason I want to fight you on that is because Singletary is at a position where they don't have guys for the future. And receiver, you have that. And do I need more depth receivers in the mid-rounds? Like, they have that. The only thing I'm missing a receiver is a number one guy. I think I've got a two, three, four, and five. Yeah, but what it, what it, what's easier for Allen with his accuracy issues? To hit a guy who's 6'6", 240 oh. on the field? Or is it one of these little slot guys like Beasley and Brown and all these other Hey, Nick. Nick, Nick, th- thanks for the call, man. I-, I cannot disagree with that point more. That last one there, I can't. I mean, this offense tried that with Allen at the beginning of last year. They surrounded Allen with big bodies. And you know what happened? They couldn't get open. That's what matters. It, it sounds nice. When you have an inaccurate quarterback to have a big receiver because there's more body to hit, right? If the guy's not getting open, why do you think he ran so much? 
He's got Calvin Benjamin plodding up and down the field. He can't get away from his corner. He's not throwing that. You're actually making him throw into a tighter window because of that. So to me, what they did, they added one of the quicker slot receivers in football, Cole Beasley. I don't think he's great, but I think he's good. And what is he good at? He's good at getting open, getting separation. So guess what? If Allen is a little inaccurate on his throw, it's not going to be going back the other way. That's what I think. I think you just need to get guys that are getting open. Don't play to your your quarterback's weaknesses. Play to his strengths. And his strength is his arm. John Brown, yeah, he's 5'10 or whatever. He's going to be screaming down the field, and Josh Allen's going to be throwing it 60 yards to him. Play to the strengths, not the weaknesses. That would be my thought. Let's go to Martin in Orchard Park. Martin, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, what's going on? Hey, how are you? Pretty good. I, I, I was just responding to your comment about like great wide receivers for the Bills. Yep. You're just like, how many truly great wide receivers did we have? Right now? Yeah. Had- or had. Well, not right now, but in the past, the quarterback was, like, that was everything. I mean, it was just like, sure. I mean, Andre Reid, Eric Moulds, mm-hmm. Lofton, it's just like, those, it, it, I mean, Lofton was at the end of his career, but, but Kelly was great. What's your, what's your point here, Martin? My point is, it's all about the quarterback putting them in the position. I mean, just like it doesn't matter if the Bills drafted all these guys, whatever. You can make a good quarterback can make. That that's I would I wouldn't say a good quarterback can make receivers. I would say an elite quarterback can make receivers, and I don't know that we have a better than good quarterback right now. Well, it, 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 that it, that will be the that will be the test. Offensive sure. line has been addressed and. And that's what we'll do. I mean, it's like that's the Bills' sort of recipe for it. Yeah. And it also is New England's recipe for it. It, 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 it is that recipe. Yeah, but what does New England try to do all the time? New England's the team that goes out and tries to get Josh Gordon because they're trying to, even though Brady makes his receivers great, they're still trying to give him the best weapons possible. Like, just because your quarterback can make Julian Edelman into one of the better slot receivers in football, does that mean I have to give up at trying to find elite receivers? No. And especially when your quarterback's young. That, that's making excuses for the Bills not having a number one wide receiver. Did the Chiefs do the same thing? They could go this year and say, ah, we don't need great receivers around Patrick Mahomes. It'll be good enough. We don't have to pay Sammy Watkins. We don't have to do anything else at the position. We don't have to re-sign Travis Kelsey at a huge deal. I'm leaving Tyreek Hill's name out of this for now just because I don't even want to go there. But they supplied Mahomes with insanely good weapons. I don't need one or the other. I, why can't I have the great quarterback and the great weapons? Because they need help too. I mean, Aaron Rodgers has been left out to dry for a decade because his team can't find any talent at the wide receiver position. Coaching staff too is in large part to that. But I don't know, man. I, I want... Allen is not proven that he is a quarterback worthy of me getting to ignore receiver. <laughs> He's not. He hasn't achieved that. It takes, I think, three, four years of a resume to reach that point before I can even start to think about it. And being proved by trying to go and get Antonio Brown that he wants that number one receiver too. 
Let's go to Gerald in Springville. Gerald, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, how's it going? Good. How are you? Good. Um, I kind of like this third round. Uh, I'm intrigued by this running back, Singletary, because, mm-hmm. you know, he's, he's, he's elusive, but he's not a speedster. Right. He's five foot seven, but he's two oh eight. And from what I read, he was very effective in short yardage situations, and he scored sixty five rushing touchdowns in three years. I think he's going to be a go to guy in the red zone. I think in short yardage, and I think he also has potential as a three down back. I, I think, Gerald, I'm, I'm, I'm onto it there with you. I, I think that's what they drafted him to be. I don't think they drafted him to be a change of pace receiving back or a scat back. He reminds me of Devontae Freeman on film. I think that's what their plan would be for him. I think he ideally, if everything goes well, I think Brandon Bean thinks this is their starting running back after LaShawn McCoy's done. Because that is the style of player he is. Everything you described about him, like that's right. He doesn't have home run speed. He can make you miss an open field. I don't like I said, I don't think he has elite potential, but I think in a like his role for his skill set is three down running back. Or even first and second downs, and you have another guy that comes in and catches passes. So yeah. I, I think ideally um the Bills want him to be a starting running back someday. Let's go to Dan in Lancaster. We'll hit a break after this. Dan in Lancaster, you're on the nightcap. It's up. Hey, what's going on, buddy? I just wanted to call a couple things. One, the Bills, the couple callers before were saying something about the Bills not targeting wide receivers. We did. We targeted Antonio Brown. Right. We have two of the best deep threats in the NFL now at, in Foster and Brown. We're playing to Josh Allen's strength, 100%. We had Kelvin Benjamin. We, we had that big guy. Josh Allen would hit him in the chest and he would still drop it. Yeah. We have to give That's a right. little bit of credit where credit's due. But back to the Singletary thing, too. Singletary is going to be your third down back. I, I didn't hear the kid until we drafted him, and you just pull him up on his highlight films, and that kid will put his nose down, and he'll get you those three, four yards and get you into the touchdown. That's all we needed. Yeah, I wonder if that means anything for Frank Gore. Because you're right, like he's small, but he is very effective in short yardage. And that's kind of, I feel, what Frank Gore's role was supposed to be. So I wonder if there's a chance he would be the guy who's cut after training camp. I don't know. Someone's got to go. Um... On your receiver point, though, like yeah, I'm right on with you. Like this team does not need another Kelvin Benjamin, Andre Holmes. Like you can have a big body receiver that's good. I'm not opposed to that, but he's got to be able to get open. He's gotta. Otherwise, what am I doing? Am I putting a tight end out wide just to do it? No, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. If you want the big-bodied guy, get a tight end. A guy that's not going to get open as much, but you can throw it up to. That's what a tight end is. I love what they've done at receiver. I wanted the number one guy. Like I said, they tried. But they went for speed and getting open. And that's what they need to continue to do. I would push back, by the way, quickly before we get a break here, I would push back on John Brown and Robert Foster being two of the best Deep threats in football, I think they're good deep threats. Don't get me wrong. They're good. But they're not... Like, they could do better there, too. At some point. Middle of the road. Middle of the road to very good. Is what I would label Brown and uh, Foster in terms of uh, deep threats. They're not 
Ah, Tyreek Hill, man. Can't even use him as, as an example. Like, I was about to go to my list of the best deep threats in football, and there sitting at the top is Tyreek Kill, but he has to be, uh, you know what? All right. We'll take a time out here. Uh, we'll continue on the draft a little bit. I got some stuff to say on the Sabres coach search, though. Paul had an article up today on Ricard Gronberg. Check that out on our website. It's echoing what I've been thinking for about a month now because that's how long this freaking coaching search has been going on. So we'll talk a little bit about that as we progress as well. 803-0550 for your thoughts. Keep them rolling. It's the Nightcap with Joe DiBiase here on WGR. When we got in here Friday night, the question was posed, you know, why didn't you wait until 17? Well, I know for a fact there were two teams who would have taken them in front of 17. I know that for a fact. <laughs> it wasn't easy for me to pass up Josh Allen. You know, that for me, you know, in my background, that was very, very difficult. But I think that much of Daniel Jones and his future as an NFL quarterback. Welp, Dave Gettleman passes on Josh Allen for the second year in a row. Could have had Josh Allen and Josh Allen. Instead, he's got... A running back and Daniel Jones. <laughs> Daniel Jones, man, my boy, Gettleman. I will say this: I think the dude's a clown. I can't. I, I would not want him as my general manager, as my general manager on my favorite team ever. I think he's bringing me more joy in sports right now than any individual. His charisma, his. You don't know what you're talking about, attitude. Like he's also got these like quirky lines. I like I like Gettleman. He can stay over there with the Giants for as long as he wants and make me laugh. And like I enjoy I enjoy his presence. What is he doing though? I mean, you pass on Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, Lamar Jackson, and you end up with Daniel Jones as your quarterback? Because you knew two teams were going to pick them behind you. Maybe they were just messing with you. Or maybe there's a reason only two teams wanted them. Or some, not more. I don't know. I can't get too far into that. Giants. They're in uh, they're in rough shape. So Josh Rosen did get traded over the weekend too. That This division is, is interesting now. Is there a more interesting division with quarterback? I don't think there is. Brady is Brady. And you don't know how much longer he has. Probably 10 years at this rate. Um, and then you've got three top ten picks from last year's draft class, all playing quarterback. We'll see if Rosen ends up starting in Miami. My guess would be that he does. But you got Allen, Rosen, and Darnold all in the same division. Like, that is... I thought this beforehand. And now it's amplified. You've got three teams, I think, assuming or thinking this is almost it for Brady. This is almost it. And we are going to get the next guy. We're going to be the, we're going to get the next king of the AFC East. And then he's going to sit on the throne after Brady's done and retires and goes off to I don't know Rio with uh with with Giselle. And right now I thought it was a to- a toss up even after the rookie seasons. I thought beforehand Darnold would have been my favorite for sure to be the next great quarterback of the AFC East. But given what Allen did in his rookie year, I thought he was good. I didn't think he was amazing. Um, I thought Darnold was much better down the stretch than he started. I would That's a toss-up to me, which one of those two will be better. I think maybe I would take Allen just because I'm a little biased, obviously, Buffalo, and I think he's more athletic. But that's a 
coin flip. And then Rosen throws his hat in the ring now. Like, that could happen. He had a rough rookie year, but he deserves a break. Arizona drafted Kyler Murray because Rosen was not Kingsbury's guy. Kingsbury had a prior relationship with Murray, and he was a perfect fit for his offense. I don't think you can fault Rosen for that. I also don't really think you can fault him for his rookie season. The Arizona Cardinals, as a David Johnson fantasy owner that watched more Cardinals football than I really wanted to, I can tell you that was the most basic-looking offense I've ever seen in my life. It rivals Rick Dennison for having the most basic offense I've seen in recent years. The Cardinals just did not know how to use any of their guys last year under Mike McCoy as the offensive coordinator. And that's why that head coaching staff got fired after one season. And I don't think you can fault Rosen for that. I mean, I think he did about as good as you could hope a rookie quarterback that's not that athletic in that system to do. I think if you surround him with the right pieces, he's not quite Allen or even Darnold to that extent as an athlete, so he needs a little bit of help in terms of an offensive line um, and receivers that are getting open quickly. But I think you supply him with the proper weapons and the proper supporting staff. I think Josh Rosen has more ability as a passer than Darnold or Allen. So to me, like if all three of those teams build up their teams right, I think Rosen actually will still be the best of the three. But assuming that doesn't happen, because it's tough for three teams in one division to you know, build a proper supporting staff around their quarterbacks, I think Allen, because of his athleticism and the fact that he could make up maybe for some of his team's shortcomings, um, I would definitely rather have Allen over Rosen right now. But I'm just saying watch out. You never know. Miami's got a guy now. It's not Tannehill. It's not Fitz. Like, they've got a guy with a ceiling and potential. And who knows? If they're, if he's really bad again, the rest of the team is not that good either. So, they might end up drafting a guy next year anyway, and we'll do this whole dance with Rosen again, probably for a lesser draft pick than what he just went for. Which was a second-round pick, I think, a late second. Um, I still like Rosen. I mean, there was good film on him last year. I wouldn't be too worried as a Bills fan. I still think it's going to be Bills versus Jets for second in the division, and that might even end up being for a wild card spot, depending what happens to the AFC North and the South, too. Um, but Miami now going forward, I think, is more on the radar than they absolutely were uh, before the weekend because they've got a guy now, and it's a guy that I respect as a young prospect, Josh Rosen. He was the guy I wanted the Bills to take. I'll admit. At this point, looks like I was wrong on that. And I'm happy that it looks like I was wrong on that. But at the time, I really did want Rosen. I was upset when the Bills drafted Allen. I wanted Josh Rosen. He was my guy the whole time. And now he's in Miami. So hopefully he does flame out. 803-0550 is the phone number. We'll do a little bit on the Sabres coach search when we come back. Ricard Gronberg is on my mind. And then we'll do lots more draft in our number two. And I got an announcement later in the show. So we'll get to that as well. So that cap with Jody Biasi here on WGR. Well, I believe Jacques Martin interviewed there. I think the Swedish national coach, Ricard Gronborg, is going to interview there. I'll tell you something else. I don't think they want to go first-time NHL head coach. I don't believe it's their preference. 
but the American Hockey League team, Rochester, which had a really good season, was just knocked out in a sweep in the first round of the playoffs by Toronto. And that team was coached by Sheldon Keith. And I would be surprised if they don't at least ask to interview him. I heard they were impressed with the job he did, and I think he's going to enter the picture. Elliot Friedman. That's from Friday. Sportsnet 960 in Calgary on the Sabres coach search. We haven't had a lot on it. That's a bit. Jacques Martin. Ugh, terrible idea. Todd Richards was mentioned last week by Darren Dreger, and then uh, that was echoed today. John Shannon, Sportsnet. Our little bit of a coach search today was that John Shannon of Sportsnet says that Todd Richards is indeed a candidate for the Sabres head coach vacancy. And if you don't know a lot about Todd Richards, uh, he's a meh candidate. That's how I'd put him. A meh candidate. Um, One playoff appearance in over 400 games coached. That's roughly six seasons. Blue Jackets, the Wild, the only time they made the playoffs in 2014. They got rolled by the Penguins. And he's 52. He's been an assistant in Tampa. Like, do I need to, I don't want to do that. Do we? That is settling. That is getting the veteran coach that's respectable. And that other teams won't raise their eyebrows at. For good or bad. It's a safe hire. It is. It also might be a very bad hire. Like, where's the upside if you hire Todd Richards as your head coach? I guess you could just hope your roster will be good enough, but is he going to make your players better? Is he a guy that's just going to take over and make all the issues that have been here in the last few years better? I don't I don't know. I'd, I'd be very surprised given his track record. It's not a good track record. Missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, missed the playoffs, lost in round one, missed the playoffs. Is that my next head coach? And there's the connection. Jason Bottrell with the Scranton Wilkesbury Penguins of the AHL. And Todd Richards was the head coach of the Scranton Wilkesbury Penguins in 2006, 2007, and 2008. So I don't think I want to do that. Um, I love the Ricard Gronberg idea. I always have. He's always been my top guy. Sheldon Keefe, I would say, has come into a tie on my personal list for Sabres head coach, Sheldon Keefe of the Marlies. To me, the other thing, they haven't hired anyone yet. If they wanted Todd Richards, they could have done that. Tampa was eliminated a week and a half ago. They could have done that already. And they haven't. Why? It seems to me they're waiting on somebody. And who could they be waiting on? There's only two names I can think of because there's nobody in the playoffs right now that sticks out as like a prime candidate. Like, hey, they're waiting on this guy. They're waiting on this team to be eliminated. Like Steve Ott's in the playoffs. You're not doing that. Stu Barnes, I guess maybe it could be Stu Barnes with Dallas, but that seems like a stretch too. And I don't think I only even know those names because they're former Sabres. So I don't think they're serious candidates. Who could they be waiting on? And the two names that keep coming out to me are the two names that I like the most. Sheldon Keefe is still coaching with the Marlies in the AHL. They beat the Amherst. They are going on uh, further in the AHL playoffs. So I guess that could be something they're waiting on. Or maybe they are waiting on Gronberg. Gronberg is going to be coaching next month in Slovakia with Team Sweden at the World Championships. And Jason Bottrell will be the co-GM of Canada. I would assume he's going out to Slovakia for that tournament. So maybe they're waiting to, you know, talk to him in person. 
If that's the case, they'll talk on May 8th or around there. But Gronberg's been overseas, so I do wonder if maybe that's what they're waiting on too. Waiting on the World Championship so that they can have an in-person thing when everyone's in the same place. I hope that's the case. Uh, if you haven't seen Paul's article, it's on our website at WGR550.com. It's on Gronberg, and it's really good stuff. It's my favorite idea. Um, and I think Paul Paul likes the idea too. So check that out. It's on our website. Let's go to Joe and Tonawanda. Joe, you're on the nightcap. What's up? Hey, uh, how you doing? Um, good. This whole coaching situation where it, the, the one thing that you hear about is systems. And right. Uh, the, the way the way the Sabres played those final two games, I think they kind of threw that out the window and just played the way they wanted to. Um, I know this guy's been here twice, but I would really like to see Ted Nolan get another shot with some kind what? of talent on this team. When he was here our first time, it was just Dominic Kashuk. When he was here the second time, we're... Joe, 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 he's coaching Poland. Like, he's nowhere. Why? Why do you think that is? Well, he, he also coached the Latvian national team, and it was the only uh, time the national uh, Latvian team actually beat Russia in an international tournament. Okay, I'm not trying to beat Russia. I'm trying to win the Stanley Cup. He is nowhere in his career. Like, he hasn't coached an NHL team that's been good in over a decade. And I, okay, I know, I, I know where you're coming from in terms of people wanted him to get a second chance, and he did get a raw deal because that team was set up to fail, and there was nothing he could have done to make the team good in 2015. But he would have never got the job, and he wouldn't have come close to getting the job if that team wasn't tanking. No team in the NHL that's not tanking is going to hire Ted Nolan. You want a former Sabre coach that should get another opportunity? I don't love this idea. I don't hate this idea. But Lindy Ruff would be your guy then. All right? If you want to go for nostalgia, if you want to go for a little bit of the old school hockey feel, and you want to go for the experienced guy that's a former Sabre coach, you're not picking Ted Nolan. I might pick Ron Rolston ahead of Ted Nolan. Like, where would you rank Ted Nolan on... If I if I had to, for some reason, if this just... I don't know who this would have come from, or maybe this is the way the world would work. If I had to hire a former Sabre coach to be the next Sabre coach, definitely Lindy won. Like, I, I think Nolan... <laughs> he doesn't even rate anymore. Come on. Maybe I wouldn't want... Maybe I would want him over Rolston. Rolston was bad. He was bad. Who am I missing? Bilesma? I think I'd rather have Bilesma. It's a stupid conversation anyway. They're not doing it. Maybe Lindy could happen, but again, it seems like they're waiting on something, and if they wanted to hire Lindy Ruff, they would have hired Lindy Ruff. Let's go to Mark in Buffalo. Mark, you're on the nightcap. All right, so I wasn't expecting somebody to actually bring up Teddy Nolan's name. It happened. And, and I, I literally am driving to pick my kids up from sports, and I just choked on my own spit when I heard that. So That's gross, but okay. They need to screen these calls better. Let me, I'll leave it at that. So uh, anybody, um, the, the person that I would, would be most excited about is a guy from the Marlies. Sheldon Keefe? And, yeah. yeah. And I tell you why, if anybody has any doubts at all about hiring somebody from the AHL at this point, um, do yourself a favor and and maybe look up uh, on YouTube or start reading up on this guy. Um, to me, uh, kind of put it into football terms, he's like a to me uh, uh, McVeigh, a young up and coming but smart yeah. as, 
smart as can be. And and normally when these guys, these hockey guys, they're giving each other, you know, praise and, you know, the attaboys and the whole thing, you can tell it's, you know, I mean, it's a good old boy system and nobody's going to talk bad about anybody. But when sure. when anybody who knows anything about hockey, who's in the hockey world, when they talk about this guy, um, it, they they gush over this guy. It's, it's, yeah. it's a different kind of... of um, um, it's a different kind of hire. Kind because of, it's it's because he's he's young and he comes from an anal- actually he doesn't come from an analytical background, but he uses them and he kind of came up in the in the AHL under Kyle Dubas, who comes from an analytical background. So yeah, it's di- even though he's a former player and he's an AHL guy, like it is it, it you're right, like it's a different kind of hire. Yeah, it's just if, if anybody's going to balk at the idea, I mean, I balk at the idea of hiring Taylor from from the Amherst. I, I was yep. never impressed with him. Uh, and, and I mean, obviously he was well thought of for them to bring him in to coach the, the junior team, but right. I wasn't, I would not be excited at all, but this guy, um, after reading up and doing my homework and, and listening to some of the, some of his interviews on YouTube and the whole thing, he, he would strike me as somebody who would, would do everything yep. humanly possible. And he's a smart guy. And they, they talked about how he was literally dissecting the other teams weaknesses, his own weaknesses, you know, tailoring his game plan around everybody, you know, what his own team could do, what the other team couldn't do, and and just the way the guy thinks the game through and how he can relate to the players and the whole thing. I tell you, anybody who who did their research would be excited to have this guy. Mark, thanks for the call, man. I I completely agree. I completely agree. Keith over Taylor all day, every day. Chris Taylor is only a candidate for the Sabre job because he is the Sabres AHL coach. There is not another team out there that's going to hire Chris Taylor. But you know what? Like right now at least. But if the Sabres don't hire Sheldon Keefe and Mike Babcock doesn't get fired in Toronto, Sheldon Keefe's going to be an NHL coach. He'll get hired. And that's the difference. 803 is the phone number. Colin, stay and hold. We'll get to you first when we come back. We're a little, pretty late to a break here. Um, we'll keep rolling through your calls. We'll stick with the Sabre topic for a little bit here on the Coach Search and then a little bit back into the draft before we get out of here at 9. It's the Nightcap here on WGR. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.